It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Palmerbet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight up screamer. Download our app today and enjoy straight up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos, and same game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1 800 858 858. We're joined by Zero Digital Media's Mitch Keating on the Overnight Crowd. G'day, Mitch. Hey, Heidi. How are you, mate? Yeah, good. Thank you, mate. Thanks for the time once again. Uh, plenty going on around the Australian men's cricket team since we last spoke, it's fair to say. Uh, JL has resigned after being offered that six-month contract with hopes of finishing on a high at the World Cup on home shores. How have you viewed and felt uh, about the proceedings? Yeah, well, it was, I guess, the news that everyone thought was coming and even when it came, it was, everyone was quite shocked at... Langer was actually resigning himself. So um, I guess Saturday morning was just um, obviously a massive blow for the Australian cricket team. I think that um, from what we heard today from Pat Cummins, he's going to be a massive loss for them. But it sounds like Cricket Australia are moving into that um, period of transition. And while he could have had gone out on the high, I think he still has anyway with with what he's done Mm -hmm. over the the last eight or so months. So, look, he's gone out in some way on his own terms. It wouldn't have been how he would have liked to. Um, given his, his four-year tenure was was still a bumpy road, but um, he, he he leaves with um, I think a lot of respect from everyone in the industry um, with a great record, and um, I think he can hang his head high for sure. The skipper, and depending on who you ask or what camp you're in, the man to blame, uh, Pat Cummins today, finally expanding on his easier uh, earlier straight back comments and letting us know about the reasons why. Uh, what did you make of his statements today, other than the locusts in the background really going off as he's uh, trying to speak to the media? <laughs> Yeah, he, well, he was the big fish, wasn't he? We've heard from Uzi and, and Alex Carey this week, and um, I think everyone was really waiting for, for Cummins to um, kind of, yeah, break his silence and did so today in two forms with his prior statement and then mm. fronting the media. So, look, I think um, from who we know as Pat, who's being exactly who he was today um, when answering questions, I think, you know, he showed great respect for, for Langer, which is, um, you could see something that he, he definitely held with him. And as well as that, he showed great pride for the badge, for the baggy green, for his teammates, for Australian cricket. Um, and I think, yeah, he was he was sublime today. I think it's, it's very hard for him to do what he's done. Um, you know, I don't think too many should be pointing fingers at, at the Australian captain. I understand that you know, there's more than one player or one person in particular behind all this. Um, and I think he, yeah, he did a fantastic, fantastic job to for what is a very hard task um, given what's happened in the past few days. So so I think, you know, just to hear how he spoke, um, how he commended Langer, it was interesting to see here, you know, some of the terms he used and that, yes, um, perhaps some of the methodology that the coach was using probably didn't line up with what the players were after and that um, Langer would even admit that himself. But um, I think that both Cummins and Langer should be coming out on top of this um, quite well. Obviously, there's still going to be some that, that are going to play some uh, anger towards Pat Cummins, and rightfully so. Um, but whether more gets dug up um, in due time, we'll just wait and see. So now that the uh, unpleasantness of uh, removing Justin Langer as coach is over, do you believe that the next coach will just be the one coach across the three disciplines? or And do you think it's coming from that group of names they already know about, Andrew McDonald, Trevor Bayliss, etc.? Yeah, it'll be interesting. It sounds like Cricket Australia have, have flagged it's, it's 
potential plan. Doesn't sound like it'll be what's brought in straight away to succeed Langer, but um, there are certainly names lining up and names more than capable. I think while there isn't, you know, a standout, you know, Ponting was to put his hand up. I think that'd be the the quickest contract that's ever written up. But, um, for the likes of, like you said, McDonald, Bayless, certainly, um, you know, those that have been in the system for a long time. Um, whether it's McDonald, who's you know well ad- uh, adept with what. Uh, I guess the Australian cricket team is trying to focus on in this transition. And then you've obviously got Bayless, who's, who's led England for, for some time and, and with some success as well. So there are names lining up. You know, you've got likes of David Sakers in there. I think Jason Gillespie has withdrawn. So that's kind of throwing some spanner in the works if Cricket Australia had their well, list of candidates. But um, as far as the splitting up format, I'd, I'd probably be all for it. I think it's something that, um, you know, would definitely help you. There are assistants, but I think having someone to kind of lead red ball and then someone to lose white ball would be um, yeah, a good step. But whether we see that maybe after the World Cup or after Pakistan, we'll have to wait and see on that one as well. Unfortunately, the New Zealand T20 tour has been canned due to our complicated border issues. It's alleviated a small part of the upcoming fixture headache for the Aussies, but uh, it's a shame to uh, yeah, see any cricket taken off the calendar. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I think the preparations that Australia are going to try and get through um, this year ahead of the World Cup, every little bit is going to be necessary, but like you said, we'll still play um, a little bit this week in the coming days against Sri Lanka. We'll still get some white ball cricket against Pakistan. And, um, yeah, if anything, it kind of eases that congestion over what's going to be a really busy next month or so if we had that uh, trip over there. And you know, whilst, um, understandably, there are some you know, isolation factors and quarantine factors that we're only going to place a larger toll, it's probably the right call for both parties. New Zealand will still get their preparations done. Australia will still be able to, I guess, relax in somewhat on home soil, and that might even clear some uh, air for Cricket Australia to appoint you know, the new head coach. You know, I'm assuming they're going to plan to have that done before Pakistan, but <laughs> um, who knows how this will play out. Uh, yeah, the Pakistan tour has got the thumbs up and we're moving ahead. We've named the squad. No Glenn Maxwell, unfortunately, for those of us that uh, want to see the destroyer back in the baggy green, but not many, if any, surprises from the squad. No, not really. It's just the one uh, with Richardson obviously coming out. Um, and look, with Ash Nagar coming in, it just makes sense. And we already knew that Richardson was going to be, I guess, rested and, and used when we um, play Sri Lanka later in the year. And then um, obviously having extra spin in the subcontinent is going to be critical. So, yeah, not a lot of change, not a lot of needed change, really, I think, from um, the 11 or the, the squad that, um, I guess, batted England 4-0 in the Ashes. It'll be interesting to see with... Hazelwood probably fit um, come the first test, whether Scott Bowen holds on to a starting role and whether we do need to have you know, two spinners. Is Travis Head going to be our second spinner or is Marnus going to be our second spinner? Um, or, you know, do we go for Swepson or Agar? So there's plenty of variables there. Um, you know, I'd love to see... Uh, I really, I'm hoping to see Alex Kerry start like a house on fire with the gloves. I think that there is probably a little pressure building on him after how he ended the Ashes series and Josh Inglis is right there waiting. So um, that'll be a great one to watch out for. But I think a majority of the XI that we saw from the Ashes will, will be carrying over um, for the Pakistan test for sure. Over to the women's Ashes. Uh, they've been retained as dominantly, if not more so, than the men did it. Such an impressive series from the team, uh, especially uh, the likes of Talia McGrath, especially showing her quality as a season continues to roll on with such momentum. Yeah, it was a fantastic team effort, I think. Uh, I guess going across the whole squad, and I think what the Australian women's team does so well is it can really just bat from 1 to 11 and, and you know have more than the, the five or six bowlers uh, taking their part in the attack. And McGrath is an absolute standout of that. Her, Annabelle Sutherland, um, you know, I think they were absolutely fantastic to really hold down 
the middle order and as well, um, you know, with ball in hand, um, absolutely fantastic. So that's one thing that really has us in good stead for the World Cup coming up um, and when we travel over to New Zealand. And obviously we've got all our uh, incumbents at the top with Beth Mooney, Elisa Healy, uh, Meg Lanning, and they're all in fine form. So it's absolutely great to see for the Australian girls. Yeah, with that World Cup coming up, the team heads straight into hotel quarantine, I believe, on Thursday to get on over to New Zealand. And you get the feeling with those names that you listed off there, it could be time for some more trophy wear to be added to the cabinet. Absolutely. It's going to be, you know, it's not going to be an easy one. I think, you know, obviously with what New Zealand are dealing with um, still in through their quarantine period, it's going to be a challenge for the Aussies who are probably looking to bounce back since, you know, uh, what, four or five years ago now in the uh, one-day World Cup. So um, it'll be interesting to see, just looking over their record, 29 of their past 30 they've won. So um, look, they've, they've got the form for it, um, and hopefully the, the quarantine prior to isn't too much uh, of a factor. So, yeah, look, we will go in as, as clear favourites. Hopefully that's something that we can take on board um, and strive with um, and don't have too much focus on. But, um, yeah, I'd like to think we're, uh, we're going to be well prepared for the, for the World Cup. Let's move on over to a bit of AFL and, uh, well, AFL trying to uh, grab the headlines from Cricket Australia uh, later this week. Uh, Simon Goodwin, the yarn has rolled out uh, across the pages around the nation over the last two days. Allegations of drinking, punting with players, workplace bullying from a former team doctors. The uh, allegations are headline grabbing. What's been the reaction so far? Yeah, well, look, uh, some make of it as, a, as somewhat of a non-story, and I can understand that perspective, and obviously some make it as you know, something that probably needs even deeper digging. Um, I think there's uh, plenty of levels to what's come out from the Herald Sun in the last uh, you know, 48 hours or so. And look, some of them, like I said, straight away when you hear about a coach drinking, gambling with players, I understand that camaraderie is always going to be a part of a footy club, whether you've played at local level, whether you play at the top, and Max gone um, really... I guess, made that evident today that he's absolutely loves to have a beer with Goodwin. Um, and I think that that just shows how tight-knit of a group the Demons are at the moment, given how their past 12 months have gone anyway. And then, I guess, when you're looking at the 12 months before, and you know, Goodwin was now understood to be you know, considered to get the sack from the Demons and crisis talks and you know, some worrying behaviour, um, that certainly is going to bring up some questions, both you know, from all the way from the top, from Gil. So... Um, yeah, look, I, I think that there's certainly a few worrying quotes, should they be true. Uh, obviously, it's all alleged at the moment, but uh, when it, you're bringing in things like concussion and, and staff members and, and the whole football department entirely, um, you know, really having to consider how their coach or the future of their coach with um, how he's treating maybe staff or whether it's players is a massive concern. Um, you know, I think, you know, when you bring up the word bullying, it absolutely deserves no, no place in a workplace. Um, and you know, when you're at, a, at an elite level like this as well, you really do have to be, um, you know, growing a, a good environment. And look, and that's what the demons have backed in. They've said that, you know, Simon's um, been nothing but supportful for his players and for the football department. And I think we can take that to be true. Um, and look, you see how the players, um, how fond they are of him, and even images today of how they were supporting him. So look, the club have, have backed him. The players are backing him. Um, and look, if there's more to come out of this. So there, but it seems like look, these fans in particular are quite happy with where things are at, given uh, how things landed in September. So you don't expect any further fallout from all of this, uh, do you think? The added complication of Gil McLaughlin, as you said there, being involved makes me think this might not be the last of it. No, absolutely, it won't be. I, I, I can't see an ending, um, you know, just just into the into the air. I think that you know there will be probably further looking into it. There will be follow-up stories. There'll be potentially even more evidence, like. 
Like I said, the, the story kind of broke yesterday morning. More came out this morning um, with, you know, his, with Angus Brochel now brought into the loop and, and, you know, who knows who else might put their hand up um, just to say what might have happened, you know, whether it's through 2020. We've heard that, you know, even time at the Crows, there might have been some issues. So there's certainly not going to be the end of it. Um, hopefully it's not something that, that does drag on because from what we can tell, Simon Goodwin is a, a fantastic coach. Um, and yeah, like I said, hopefully this is something that, that does uh, kind of, hopefully it's brought to an end soon, but I can't see that happening. Mm. Uh, Jack McRae, he's been announced as one of the uh, Western Bulldogs vice captains amongst the new look group under the skipper Marcus Bontempelli. With this move, he's uh, signaled his intention to stay with the team and ink a long-term deal at the uh, kennel. Yeah, he was, um, I guess, more than happy to really cement his future with Noble um, on Monday morning when he was, um, yeah, announced as vice-captain, which is, I think, going to be a great step up for him to kind of be that right-hand man to Mark Spontipelli. And um, I guess that entire five-man group is, is going to uh, add great experience, great versatility um, to, for the Bulldogs for this year and what's going to be a, a massive year for them. And for Jack as well, it's going to be huge for him on and off the field. As you mentioned, he's... He's out of contract, um, and he's one of several stars of the Bulldogs who are, but um, when you say he's black and white and he wants to um, you know, end his career as a Bulldog, he couldn't put it um, any any harder to the word there. So it sounds like he'll be keen to um, you know, be a Bulldog for life, and I think Bulldogs fans will be absolutely wrapped to hear that. Speaking of signing on, the Blues getting the business done early with young gun Sam Walsh as he extends at the Blues. This could have dragged on, created headlines and issues, but the player and club both happy to get the deal done. Yeah, it might have been, uh, I guess, the biggest signature of the year had it entered um, into the home and away season. But it sounds like Sam Walsh actually approached the Blues about, you know, trying to get stuff sorted, which is something that I think Carlton fans are going to absolutely love to hear. And whether that was also included to be, you know, a, a cut price deal, a below market price deal, then that's absolutely fantastic to add to them. Uh, I think, you know, when you look at the signings from last year, you look at Harry Mackay, Patrick Cripps, you know, Jacob Wiedering's locked in long term. So they've really got all those big pieces um, you know, for the future, ready to go, and they're all committed to the club. So another fantastic signing for the Blues, and obviously none better um, and more valued at the moment than Sam Walsh. Uh, WA future great Denver Granger Barras, uh, Jack Scrimshaw, and also Jath have all signed on with the Hawks as they solidify their youth and also backline set up with these new deals. Yeah, well, I think the Hawks do have one of the most promising backlines in the league. Um, absolutely fantastic, and it does thrive off off their youth, off their youthful, um, you know, products. The promising talent that's coming through, like you said, you got Denver Granger Brass, top six pick from last year. CJ had an absolutely stunning um, season last year in a breakout campaign, and Jack Scrimshaw is just showing tremendous growth, and they're they're really building um, quite the rear guard down at Waverley. So it's fantastic to see. Add in the likes of. You know, Will Day, Blake Hardwick, Lockie Bramble, um, and I think Sam Mitchell's quite the uh, artillery down in his defence. Kangaroos uh, coach uh, David Noble has really been throwing the league under the bus today by declaring that Jason Horn Francis is not quite in the Roos' best 22. I don't know if JHF is the sort of cat that needs much more extra inspiration after the reports that we've heard of him burning up the training track, but this could certainly be it. Exactly right. Well, I don't know how you're supposed to motivate your number one pick even more, True. but I think David Noble <laughs> might have found a way to do so. Look, he made some he made some interesting points, uh, Nobes. I think when uh, in that uh, interview with AFL Media, and look, he he understands that you know there is going to be already a lot of pressure on Jason. I think that you know coming in number one pick at a club that um, has really been looking out for that kind of blue chip player. Um, you know, I, I still think he's probably going to be in their best twenty-two, but. You know, with Noble rattling off names like Karen Thomas, Jaden 
Stephenson, you know, Kurt Taylor, they've got Jai Simkin. They've got a really, really strong midfield already. You know, Holm Francis can, has shown him the ability to play forward, but, um, you know, I think that he, he does have a lot of work ahead of him and, and Nobs wants to make sure that it, there's no one is going to be a walk into this best 22. So I think if you maybe ask him about a few of those other names, he might say the same thing, but... Um, I'd, I'd like to think, and I think my super coach team also hopes for, <laughs> that Jason Horn Francis will be playing round one. Yeah, I need as much help as possible in that area. Just before we move on from AFL, Mitch, uh, confirmation this week of pre-season practice matches, which as much as we can look forward to and cross our fingers to watch, uh, chances are there might be a couple of changes before we get there. Yeah, well, there's um, you know a few you know nice games to be locked in and also in some country footy as well, which is always fantastic to see with. Um, both clubs playing two games between the unofficial practice matches and then the uh, Amy Community Series. So there's a few to certainly look out for. I think Geelong finally getting to play Richmond down in GMHBA is going to be an interesting one just to mm. see how that got ticked off to, to end uh, the first round of practice matches. And then, um, you know, having the Blues, it's always I think it's always great to see, you know, both two AFL teams kind of clashing, um, you know, the likes of Icon Park, Casey Fields. Um, I understand, obviously, the, the WA game will be off limits um, to a few, but um, you know, it'll still be um, you know, great to see some of those games being played in country footy. We've also got games in Albury, games in Morwell, um, and I think that's that's one great thing that pre-season matches in, I guess, the past what few years that the AFL have been able to do is, is give country footy a bit of life with some AFL standards. That's going to be absolutely fantastic, and a real taste of um, some AFL footy uh, on our doorstep later this month is really exciting. Let's finish off with a bit of NRL news. And uh, unfortunately, today we've seen the passing of an immortal Johnny Raper, part of the Dragons' golden generation where he played in eight of the Drags' 11 straight premierships. A league immortal, uh, unfortunately passing away aged 82, regarded as one of the best of all time. Yeah, uh, you know, really, really sad news to hear. Um, obviously, they're yeah, the last remaining immortal from that group as well with Langlands, Gazania. And Proven, who uh, with the latter passing away, I think it was you know late last year as well. So, look, he, an Australian great, a New South Wales great, a Newtown New great, and as you mentioned, a St George great for sure. When you know, he jumped on the club and um, was a massive factor in them winning eight on the trot to, to bring it up to a total of eleven. So, a key member of what is you know, undoubtedly the greatest uh, rugby league side of all time. So. Um, yeah, it was really sad to hear, you know, following his battle with dementia. Um, but just to see that the spirit of, of the, um, I think, the NRL landscape and the world um, really celebrating a career like his and a life like his was, was um, I think, something great to see and great to be cherished. Josh Schuster, who had a breakout season in 2021 with the Seagulls, is going to miss the opening six weeks of the NRL season after picking up the dreaded syndesmosis. Uh, this is not great news. Yeah, well, he's, he's kind of the mix, Mr. Fix-It at Brookvale, Josh Huster. He can, he can play just about anywhere, you know, come through as a forward, can play in the halves, can kind of play a bit out wide if need be. And, um, yeah, Des Hazel's really going to be having to dig into his stocks to, I think, kind of find someone that can p- plug as many holes as Josh can. So, um, syndesmosis is always a tough one. And like you said, it's going to be, you know, first six, six uh, weekends of the NRL season. Um, it's going to be definitely a tough one. You know, they're... They're framing to have, you know, I think quite a difficult run with the Sea Eagles, given they had such an impressive uh, campaign last year. So it'll be interesting to see. And starting off with the Panthers, I think uh, round one might show just how much of a void Josh Huster will leave um, in, in the Sea Eagles lineup. The Reese Walsh news is coming thick and fast. Uh, one of the game's best young guns. Uh, what's the latest on the young star who early in this week was rumoured to not be wanting to go back to New Zealand when the Warriors will have an opportunity to play home matches back there next season? 
Yeah, it's look, it's a perplexing one to say the least. Um, given recent reports suggesting that he's keen to remain in Queensland, and now he is, you know, quite a young player, young family. Um, you know, he left the Broncos for more minutes um, with the Warriors, understandably so. And obviously, with um, New Zealand having to kind of reside on Australian soil, given um, the quarantine restrictions, it has been quite easy for him to remain, you know, in Australia. But now that the fact that the Warriors are now scheduled to head over, back over home, come, I think, round 15. He might be kind of considering what his future looks like and whether he does want to remain in Queensland, whether he's been liking it um, and isn't too keen to venture uh, across the Tasman. So, look, it's a, it's a, quite a huge story when, in the think of things because, you know, the, the Broncos, were in a way, were quite happy to let him go. And now he's you know, probably one of the most valuable fullbacks in the league after just one year with the Warriors. So um, there's certainly plenty of attention on it. I sound like Scott Sattler had a bit of news from the clubs just to say that, you know, it doesn't sound like he's going anywhere, which would mm. be huge for the Warriors to hear. But um, this might be one we might have to be keeping our attention on throughout the year just to see what happens, you know, especially when the Warriors are, do start flying back and forth. Maybe, you know, whether, you know, Reese is already contemplating um, departing, that might change his mind. So it sounds like the Warriors aren't going to be letting him go anytime soon, but it would, uh, wouldn't surprise me if a few of those. Southeast Queensland club start circling. Well, Wayne Bennett is uh, one of those that will be keeping uh, tabs on the Reese Walsh situation. The Dolphins coach, ahead of their entry into the competition in 2023, has remarked to Fox Sports that he was happy with the Dolphins recruiting so far. Uh, how have you seen it? And uh, would Reese Walsh uh, fit their needs at the moment? Well, absolutely so. He's uh, kind of the player that they haven't quite jumped onto yet. They've got plenty of experience, plenty of older heads, and they all seem to be in the, in the forwards. So, um, you know, I think a pacey fullback, Someone's going to offer a bit of versatility, a bit of flair, and kind of that uh, marquee player that the club are still quite searching for. You know, they've got origin talent in, they've got international talent in, the Bromish brothers, Felice Calfusi, Mark Nichols. So they've got the right players um, so far, but they quite don't have those playmakers, the star fullback, um, some of the key pieces of their spine. So look, I think Wayne can be quite happy with what he's piecing together. It won't really matter too much about what a 17 will look like under Wayne Bennett. They'll still be very competitive. But in saying that, uh, you know, needing to fill out a full squad of 30 with, you know, I'd say about 10 months to go um, is going to be quite an uphill battle, I think, for the Dolphins. Got their uh, work cut out for them. And uh, just to finish on, Mitch, a couple more changes from the NRL All-Star teams have been confirmed ahead of the match this Saturday as the Indigenous All-Stars clash with the Maori All-Stars. Yeah, look, there are a few late changes, and I think a few might even come still just with uh, you know, some clubs trying to make sure that they can keep their players as fit as possible. But Cronulla Sharks don't seem to be doing so. They've got, I think, a total of seven players <laughs> across both squads. And I think one thing that um, is going to be of great attention is how the halves work in the Indigenous All-Stars. Nico Hines obviously hasn't played for the Sharks just yet, but him and Braden Trindle um, will get their first look before they step onto the pitch in the Cronulla jumper. So, look, it's going to be a massive game, sadly, as it is every year. Hopefully, we're in for another tight one. And I'm not too sure what the go is with the with the draw, because we did have one last year and, and you know, no golden points. So, I think uh, the NRL might have hopefully have tinkered with that. But um, I think this year might be just as close as last year, um, if not tighter, if possible. Um, and we might have um, quite another thrilling finish. And uh, Super Bowl coming up at the end of this weekend, mate. Can we get a prediction on the big game? Uh, look, Rams fan, so I, I don't <laughs> like usually tipping with my heart, but I feel like if I'm tipping with my head, I might have to go Los Angeles anyway. Um, you know, I think it's going to be a really tight game, um, and a lot of it might come down to the Rams' defense um, against you know Bengals, Joe Burrow. Um, you know, we got Chase 
and Nick Mixon. So, um, yeah, it, it's going to be a really tight game. I think another um, interesting one. But I think whoever starts on fire early is really going to get that team. Who knows what the crowd's going to be like, given it's at the Rams' home ground. Yeah. But, um, yeah. yeah, I think a, start, a hot start is certainly going to be um, what sets up the best team. Any score predictions? Um, I'll give you 27 to 20 right. Rams favour. Don't mind that at all. Don't mind that at all. Can't wait for that match to roll around. And Mitch, thanks for the time once again, mate. We'll continue to follow your work at Zero Digital Media. Thanks again, Heidi. Cheers, mate. That was Mitch Keating from Zero Digital Media joining us on the Overnight Crowd and doing a fantastic job of it, as always. So uh, any thoughts around what we had a chat with Mitch about there? 0433 98 11 16 or 1300 736 736. And get ready to shout it, shout it. Shout it out loud, although that might uh, hurt some people's feelings as KISS have uh, rescheduled their upcoming Australian tour. And of course, that uh, one of the uh, great KISS songs, it's fair to say. But we are talking sport at the moment. We're not talking KISS songs on the overnight crowd. 0433 98 11 16. We'll be back with more just after this. Life's busy. Take this deck. There's heaps to do on it. Like um, polishing off this wine. That's tough. Life's pretty good with a Trex deck. Composite decking with no hard maintenance. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.